0: Amidst bipartisan climate negotiations, Republican Senator Mitt Romney made headlines when he reiterated his support for a carbon tax. Carbon taxes have long been magnets for political controversy, but from an economic standpoint, they deserve to be taken seriously. How a carbon tax is designed, though, matters. What has history shown us about climate tax policy, and could the political feasibility in D.C. ever exist to get a carbon tax into law as the climate crisis worsens? Welcome to The Deduction, a Tax Foundation podcast. My name is Jesse Solis, communications manager here at the Tax Foundation and your host. This week, we are joined by our federal policy analyst, Alex Morishano. Alex, how's it going, man? I'm pretty good, Jesse. How are you? I cannot complain. So let's get right to it. Uh, Recently on Capitol Hill, there has been movement from a bipartisan group of lawmakers to do something. I say that vaguely there, just something about climate, about climate change, climate uh, crisis, what have you. From a a tax standpoint, since that's our focus here,
1: what what are the
0: discussions entailing
1: there? There are a mix of policies on the table. I think you could sort of split them from status quo to more sort of revolutionary is a bad word, um, but more (laughs) substantial structural change to how the U.S. approaches tax policy and climate. I think the sort of basic uh, uh, policies which I would say are in line with the, the status quo are changes to how we do renewable energy tax credits, focused on either clean energy production, uh, so stuff like you know, uh, the production tax credit, which is uh, and and investment tax credit, which are focused on on wind and solar, you know, credits for purchasing electric vehicles, uh, that's the sort of status quo approach, just just more of maybe more of the same. And then there is uh, somewhat of a push to do a sort of carbon mm-hmm. tariff, which would tax uh, the emission content, or I think appro- try to approximate at least the emission content of certain kinds of imports. There are a lot of concerns there that, that doing that policy alone wouldn't fly in the WTO or, or for a bunch of uh, trade you know trade issues well, that could make that difficult. And then they sort of more structural change that is at least sometimes talked about is a a full on carbon tax, which would uh, place a tax on on carbon emissions and would also include a border adjustment, where it would also tax the uh, carbon content of imports as well. Now that would be you know w- would match up for for international trade reasons because it's applied consistently across uh, domestic and foreign products.
0: Okay, so so there's. Bucket looking at existing provisions, using those to fight the climate crisis. Uh, a new carbon tariff going after our competitors who also are emitting carbon, and then a carbon tax here in the U.S. Can we focus on the last one here for a little bit? The carbon tax, bird's eye view: How does a carbon tax work?
1: Right. So I guess the the theory for a carbon tax is pretty simple, or or at least at least looks pretty strong from an economic theory perspective. So typically we think that you know. Mm-hmm. Markets are good because they allow, you know, for a transaction to happen, okay, this has to benefit both parties involved. You want, I want to sell something to you. I have to decide that this improves my well-being, and also you have to decide that this will improve your well-being. Problems come when the transaction in question or the activity in question has what economists call externalities, costs that are not borne by uh, me or you, uh, borne by somebody else. And so the idea, uh, economists ha- have this idea uh, 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 called a Pigovian tax named after an economist named Arthur Pigou, who died, you know, 100 years ago, uh, that you should put a tax on things that produce these externalities equal to the costs that they impose on everyone else therefore the number of these kinds of transactions uh will reflect where costs equal benefits for everyone so that's what a carbon tax is because of course we know that the climate is is changing the world is generally warming this has many sort of knockover impacts on all kinds of things from from rising sea levels you know displacing property uh changes in in agriculture uh agricultural output and um all those those sorts of things, so there are there are costs associated with carbon emissions, and so we should should price them in to both uh, basically part, part, sort of to to incentivize people to adopt lower emission uh, technologies and sort of have the market more reflect mm-hmm. the actual costs and benefits of different activities
0: of course, you're on Capitol Hill are talking about a bunch of different things for the climate crisis from a tax standpoint, how does a carbon tax compare to other? policies out there that could reduce emissions? Is a carbon tax the only thing we could do here, or is there better approaches, worse approaches? What's your take on that?
1: So I think the advantage of a carbon tax, at least this sort of strong theoretical carbon tax Mm -hmm. as a sort of economist version of a carbon tax, is that it is neutral across technologies, across sectors, in terms of, of its impact on, on carbon emissions at least. The problem with a lot of the policies that we've enacted is, uh, at least on the tax side, they are sort of uh, depend on a lot of sort of political factors and don't necessarily reflect the sort of benefits of different clean energy options. You know, mm-hmm. focusing on specific technologies like, say, I don't know, electric cars or wind and solar get a lot of tax benefits. But nuclear, which also doesn't really produce very much carbon emissions either, nuclear has does not get some sort of um, a particularly large large subsidy at all relative to wind and solar. So the advantage of a carbon tax, say, is that the economists talk about this idea of, of of relative prices making some activity sort of cheaper or Uh, more expensive relative to an alternative. And so what we have now is that these tax subsidies make wind and solar relatively cheaper than like fossil fuels, but also uh, cheaper relative to nuclear. What a carbon tax would do, which is, you know, put a tax on all all fossil fuels is make both wind, solar and nuclear relatively cheaper than sort of more carbon intensive um, power generation options. So so it,
0: in a in a way it could bring even, you know, I know people talk about all the above approach when it comes to energy, using everything we have to produce energy. So a carbon tax would just help us get more of that and more clean energy rather than just picking a specific type of clean energy to go after.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the big picture is basically as far as climate policy goes, the carbon tax is the furthest you can go from what I'd call sort of a picking winners and losers approach, uh where different mm-hmm. projects get You know, more or less uh, support. Let's just say we've got this big problem. Let's price the problem into the market, and then let the market decide where money should go for the best sort of solutions to it. And I think that's sort of even more true when you when you look at you know regulatory options than even even relative to the the tax subsidies that we currently have for clean energy. I think that is an area also where carbon taxes provide a lot more efficiency. Than the sort of top-down regulatory approach so so that's that's where carbon taxes have their advantages
0: all right you've talked about a lot of pros there alex and i'm excited about those i'm following you here but of course this doesn't have 100 bipartisan support so clearly there has to be some consequences or downsides here that are stopping or giving pause to some lawmakers for wanting to get on board with this policy uh what are some of those kind of you know, side effects
1: that some detractors might be concerned about the you know main critique i think that carbon taxes get is that they are regressive which is to say that they impose higher costs on uh, lower income earners relative to their income than they do on on high income earners and while in isolation this is true i think it's Mm -hmm. worth asking the question sort of compared to what And a lot of research on existing climate policy of different forms, whether it's the regulatory approach, which you might call the sort of stick approach, or the tax subsidies, which are the carrot approach, both are regressive in their own way and um, in all likelihood more regressive than uh, a carbon tax would be. Uh, The tax subsidies disproportionately end up going to higher income households or uh, earners and the regulations end up being more regressive than a carbon tax is because it doesn't provide um, sort of flexibility. There's at least a level of flexibility, budget flexibility involved in the carbon tax, whereas taking some sort of cheap but but high emitting product off the market entirely, which is what uh, a regulatory sort of command and control regulation does, you know, creates a lot uh, sort of worse problems. So that's one downside which exists, but again, it's worth comparing to the other environmental policy options we've tried. And the other concern is growth. So, you know, carbon taxes, like like basically any tax you impose on the economy, will have some economic costs. But the upside of this is that there is, you know, carbon taxes generate revenue. And so it's possible to use that revenue to cut a more distortionary tax, a tax that's more harmful to economic growth, and uh, walk away with a net positive um a sort of net improvement to the tax code that the, the new tax code would be after a carbon tax would end up being more pro growth than a um than the tax code before
0: which slight plug to our listeners uh it's not out yet but soon this week Alex will have a op-ed out about how to kind of design a carbon tax to get that growth make sure you know the dollars are going where they need to go um uh, it's a good op-ed i liked it Alex but um so that's um that's great and of course i think the kind of elephant in the room here is gas because gas is something that causes climate change it does you know emit emissions um so would a carbon tax raise prices at the pump especially you know an inflation report came out today inflation's still high gas prices i think hit another all-time high last week if i'm a politician for re-election right now and gas prices are all i hear about back home is this something that's going to raise fuel prices that i could still defend
1: for wanting to get behind Direct answer, yes. To some extent, this will raise fuel prices. But I think the change is relatively small compared to the very, very large variations in gas prices we've seen over the past year to plus years. And also, a, a carbon tax would have a sort of relatively steady impact on gas prices as opposed to this sort of very uh wild fluctuations we've seen recently. There was that pesky pandemic that kind of blew some things
0: haywire. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then I guess the other point is that on the one hand, carbon taxes would raise fuel prices. But at the same time, by raising revenue, you're sort of reducing uh, demand and, and, um, you know, we're running very large deficits where we were spending so much money in deficit financing last year and the year before that, um, you know, bringing money out of the economy through taxes uh, could also have a downward pressure on inflation at the same time. So too long didn't listen. Uh, yes, there would be s- some impact on on fuel prices, but that could be sort of partially offset by other factors. And a- another thing, when thinking about you know the regressivity of carbon taxes compared to what uh, you could could compare it to the regressivity of other climate policies that we've tried, but you could also you know compare it to uh, the impact of climate change itself, there are a lot of analyses suggest would be regressive as well. So, while well, the cost of a carbon tax may be regressive, the benefits of a carbon tax themselves might be uh, progressive, mm-hmm. ending up back at a wash at the end of the day in that, in that regard, at least in the long run.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you should look at like hurricane season, how many people that already displaces. If hurricanes get worse, you know, the impact's going to be more felt by those who have less mobility overall. So all all good points. Uh, And Alex, throughout your examples and explanations for this, which has all been great, you mentioned some economists from 100 years ago, you're talking a lot of supply and demand, Um, very textbook. Can we bring some real life examples into this? Have we seen a carbon tax played out elsewhere that
1: has a story to it? I I think the, the sort of textbook theory and practice breakdown, I think comes from exactly how much The carbon tax actually taxes uh, carbon emissions. Uh, That's one big part of it. And if you look at Europe, uh, I believe 19 countries have carbon taxes of their own, as well as there's an EU thing called the emissions trading thing, which is basically a cap and trade. Let's not go into that. It's kind of like a carbon tax, but it's kind of not. And let's let's sort of write it off as that. But at the national level, there are, I believe, 19 countries in Europe that have some sort of carbon tax of their own. Uh, there's pretty enormous okay. variation in terms of how much of the carbon emissions in whatever European country's economy this tax actually ends up covering, uh, as well as what the the rate it's set at is. Um, but there are a few sort of good examples of uh, carbon tax packages that have included both a reasonably broad carbon tax covering you know a majority uh, or at least a very good portion of uh, emissions use some of the revenue effectively for sort of pro-growth tax reforms and then use some more of the revenue for policies to sort of mitigate distributional impacts to provide sort of transfer payments to lower income households predominantly to sort of mitigate the impact of a carbon tax for them and so sweden is an is an example who did a big green tax reform uh, in the I believe, early 90s Paired a pretty hefty carbon tax with reductions in personal and corporate income tax rates. And this has been you know, pretty effective at, at reducing emissions from from Sweden, but uh, hasn't really impacted economic growth. British Columbia in Canada also had a substantial carbon tax that um, was paired with personal income tax cuts and corporate income tax cuts and uh, transfer payment for low-income households. You know, reduced emissions in in British Columbia didn't hurt growth. Some arguments that that it might have helped growth in some areas at least. And so, you know, there there is evidence of this this working. Now, there are ways both of these policies could have done better. But I think that uh, if you want to look at it as a sort of big picture, like like what, is this an improvement on the status quo? I think is an important sort of lens to put on. But we should do the best that we can in that context we we can do better than just better than the status quo but for example i think some revenue in in british columbia ended up going towards these sort of more targeted subsidies for for certain industries um and you know some people say we should use the money from a carbon tax to r and d but a lot of a lot of these subsidies ended up going to very random industries like film production and and stuff and and that that's mm-hmm. not particularly good for growth to to try and you know allocate you know investment uh, to to sort of random industries that you think are are your favorites.
0: Yeah, and especially when it comes to something like climate, as we discussed earlier, it's maybe worth putting those dollars where they need it the most for those being hurt the most by the climate
1: crisis. I guess what I'd say is that it'd be pretty difficult to get the sort of carb, uh, perfect carbon tax that, that you you know you find in an economics textbook about when you're just introduced to the idea of externalities. That would be pretty hard to get but you could get something that's pretty good that sort of roughly fits the contours within the administrative constraints and you could use the revenue real, like pretty effectively to do some some broad-based tax cuts and and maybe something to to ameliorate distributional concerns and reduce the deficit a bit to boot and you know come up with a good uh, a solid package that's a, a big improvement on the status quo
0: yeah for sure um, any time I hear pretty good, it's like a few years ago, the D.C. metro system had a marketing campaign back to good. Their whole mission was to get back to OK, uh, which was just hilarious. Hilarious. Um, But we're not here talking about trains. We're here talking about carbon taxes, Alex. Uh, And so in those real life examples, you gave a bunch of pretty small countries compared to the U.S. And in the U.S. with our the way our Congress is set up, we have 50 different little economies all represented here in the U.S. Congress. Uh, all those states have their own priorities and challenges. Um, so this, does this idea actually have feasibility here in the U.S., or is this just something that we're going to be talking about on economics and tax podcasts for the next up 10 years?
1: Well, I think that it's worth saying that I think people think of carbon taxes are our, uh, sort of political uh, poison pill. I think it's something of like a tr- truism to some people that it would be worth that's worth a sort of a default conventional wisdom thing that I think is is worth questioning. There are certainly obstacles to to a carbon tax. But when you think about a few things, now number one, we have, have had very high deficits recently. Uh, number two, there are a bunch of policies that, you know, uh, lawmakers want to enact to address issues that they care about, uh, one of them being climate. There are very few revenue generators that also themselves serve a policy goal. Uh, most revenue generators are, the question is, basically, which ones are less bad? They're all mm-hmm. sort of hurt the economy in some aspect. Some will hurt them less than others. Some will hurt them more than others. Where do we, you know, minimize the harm there to fund these things that we want to fund or to reduce the deficit? Carbon taxes actually let you address a policy concern while reducing the deficit or raising money to 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 fund your your priorities. so I think that's a sort of unique characteristic of a carbon tax that could make them more appealing to lawmakers. There are of course some political headwinds, and just truthfully, those political headwinds
0: may never go away, so you know it's just if climate is something. We want to take seriously. It's just the hard conversation lawmakers will need to have. Uh, Well, Alex, this has been super informative. Uh, It's always a pleasure talking to you. What do you have coming down the pipeline in the next few months at TF?
1: Well, a good amount of stuff about uh, carbon taxes. So keep
0: an eye out for that. And if people want to keep an eye out for that, how can they follow you on Twitter? Oh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at a hard to spell. At a hard to spell. And of course, you can follow us at Tax Foundation. All right, Alex, appreciate it. See you next time. All right. Thanks, Jesse. The Deduction is produced by Dan Carbajal. To learn more about the Tax Foundation and the Deduction, visit us online at taxfoundation.org podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Tax Foundation, as well as on Twitter at DeductionPod. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on The Deduction.